Sawate Diskibuli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's, all to my uh, my omnes as well out there. We're just going to be doing some etymologizing. We're going to take some sentences that I've created. We're going to take some words. We're going to pull them apart. And we're just going to look at how integral and how uh, facilitative Latin is in our modern world. Latin can be used as this tool in order to understand and amplify your understanding of the world around you. So why don't you go ahead and just continue to keep on listening to me, um, which also sounded quite redundant, but whatever. And then, uh, you know what? Maybe if you go, you want to go ahead and do so, maybe open up another tab on your phone or your computer, hop on over to Latin and Layman's on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify and throw down some storage for your boy here because he's... Um, well, I just realized as of yesterday that I put out 117 episodes. Um, and to think that this all started from just a little COVID quarantine isolation hobby thing. And for me now, I just do it in a me as a means of spreading knowledge and giving as much information that I can. Because I don't have a lot to give in this world, but what I can give, uh, I really want to. So um, please stay tuned. Absorb whatever I have in my, my mind that gets regurgitated. Uh, regurgitated through the microphone and manifested into the speech that you are now hearing as I speakity speak. So, um, done with that little ramble bamble, let's get on into some words here. This first sentence here that we have here, there was an unexpected reward when the vaccine turned out to be polyvalent and worked against several diseases. All right. Thought that a vaccine kind of sentence would be very pertinent to nowadays. Poly. Is that a prefix? It's actually not. It's a base, a Greek base, meaning many and or much. Um, I'm sure you know of poly, many poly, polysaccharide, poly, um, uh, polygamy, for instance, you know. Uh, but uh, regardless, we'll just continue to move on with it. And there are many poly words, polywog. Uh, the Pokemon. I actually have a, a PowerPoint that I've created that I was going to present to my Vanguard kids, but I will at some point maybe even do it via this podcast, but um, just etymologizing a bunch of Pokemon and uh, talking about how there is uh, quite a bit of presence of both Latin and uh, Greek and just, you know, etymology that they embed within those Pokemon's uh, names. So, uh, Regardless, though, we're on polyvalent. We're not on Pokemon. Uh, so poly, yes, many. Next element, that V-A-L. V-A-L is actually a Latin base meaning to be strong or to be worthy, like valiant, for instance. And then finally, the last element, the suffix E-N-T, meaning I-N-G. Hmm, that makes things easy. So is this, what is this word? What kind of part of speech is it with that I-N-G? Well, it's an adjective. In fact, it can be almost uh, thought of as a lot of the time, if it's a verb and it ends in ing, then it would be an adjectival verb, such as a participial uh, delio, but it's not just an adjective here, polyvalent, because it's a polyvalent vaccine. And what do you think it means? Construct an etymological definition with me here, because we have being strong from that thou, i.e. effective in many poly ways, in multiple ways, which implies a vaccine that counteracts more than one toxin or microorganism, in fact. So it's a broad spectrum vaccine, essentially. It's not just a specific specialized vaccine. It's polyvalent. It's going to cover a broad, more of a spectrum of diseases. 
um, almost like an antibiotic, for instance, you know, antibiotics for a lot of the, uh, for what we know, they tend to kind of just destroy all of the bio, biotic uh, microorganisms within the body, both good and bad. It's kind of like a nuclear bomb on your system. That's why we talk about the over um, prescription of antibiotics and how it's leading to all of these um, uh, autoimmune disorders um, and uh, GI issues and microbiota um, dysregulation because People, oh my gosh, I was listening to, or actually I was reading a couple of studies and then I was listening to a podcast further about this kind of stuff, but the amount of like what your microbiota biota does to you yourself is the most amazing thing. We had no idea how much the microorganisms, all of the bacteria within our gut actually kind of dictate the way we speak, walk conduct ourselves, our metabolic um, adaptations uh, uh, to a certain degree. Because I was reading about when we first started to do fecal implants, we, we've been doing fecal implants. And I know it sounds gross, but you know, it's, it's a thing that we do it, as, you know, as kind of like, you know, rudimentary it is, we just take the fecal matter from a healthy individual that has a healthy microbiome implanted into the large intestine of the um, person that deals with a lot of GI issues, or maybe there was a, there was this issue where the guy, he not only, let's see, he had a, a gait, an ataxic gait, meaning that he walked very, very funny, but not only that, he had a really, really bad case of colitis. So, um, he, he had uh, trouble walking, his gait was off, he had muscular problems, joint problems, and then all of a sudden they do this fecal transplant in order to try and help quell the colitis that he was dealing with because he couldn't gain any weight. It was just really, really um, detrimental to him and he was just kind of wasting away. And lo and behold, not only did the colitis seem to go into remission, but his ataxic gait actually went away. And he started to actually walk and take on the mechanical movements of the person that had uh, donated that fecal transplant to. So to think that the gut has um, the ability to control whatever the mind is controlling, whatever is controlling and being shot through the spine and through all the neurological processes in order to manipulate the way in which we walk. I thought it was so interesting, regardless of, I'm going to stop because we have our next word we got here. Uh, a real tragedy is uh, that drug use uh, by women in this social class amounts for so many perinatal mortalities. Um, it's very, very much a problem. And we'll figure out exactly what perinatal means because women should not be using drugs, especially during this period of time. Um, because the Greek word prefix peri means around and or near, then what? Next one we have is the Latin base nat. Nat means to be born like natal. And then the last element, the pre or the suffix rather, the al pertaining to, which means this word is what part of speech? Well, it's another adjective pertaining to peri to being around. Not being born, 
A-L, which was that per pertaining to at the very beginning. So pertaining to being born around. The implication is clearly the time of birth, around the time of birth. So what's the definition? Remember, to make it an adjective, occurring at or around the time of birth. So women that are using drugs during the time or around the time of birth are creating a lot of mortalities with their children. Um, and uh, it just is the case. So there we go with that one. I think I'm going to just try and find a word here real quickly, and we're going to pull it apart. All right. I'm actually going to just look at some words, and we're going to pull them apart together. So we're actually going to start with a bunch of words that uh, start with our prefix con and or co and or col, all of which refer to together and or with. So how about contemporary? Con means with, tempore, comes from the tempore, tempore, temporis in Latin, which means time. And then that airy just refers to that of which or pertaining to um, with the time, essentially. So whatever is contemporary is with the times. Also, where we, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where we get that, uh, that term also comes into play with contemporaneous. Um, that is uh, in reference to um, a type of basically tense um, that happens. Uh, is it happening with? Is the action action happening contemporaneously or uh, in the future, in the past? Tempo is our next one. Tempo comes from tempore, which means time. Tempo is just the speed at which a passage of music is or should be played at, right? Next one we have is cohabitation, T-I-O in the state of or the condition of habito habitare to live, enter to live, to live, to have a home and to live and or have a home in. So co means together and or with. So cohabitation is the state or condition of living together with someone. Collaborate, however, co means together and or with. Labor, laborare means to work. Eight, the action of. To work together is what collaborate means. Next one, consolidate. Con meaning together and or with. Solidare comes from solidatum, the, the supine of solidare, which means to make solid or to bring together, aka to make solid, solidatum. What does consolidate means? mean, rather? It means the action of bringing together with. Or, or bringing together to make solid. Condone. Condone means con with. Don comes from don a, which is a gift in Latin. So what is what is it when you condone someone with something? You uh, give with. Uh, you gift with. That is essentially what it means. When you condone, you are saying, "All right, I'm okay with you doing that." Aka, you're giving the you're granting um, the gift of doing so. I I guess you know sometimes. Linguistically, they don't mean exactly how uh, etymologically they are derived as, but if you understand the word critically for what it actually means uh, and for the words that it actually is made up of, essentially, if you think about it, condone, condone is an English word, but those two words, con, with, don, dona, meaning gift, those are two Latin words that are put together to make the English word. So it's like we've taken two Latin words, we've smashed them together, and that has in turn made the English word. If you didn't think so, now you know. Next one that we'll get into here, because I was reading a lot about longevity yesterday, 
And that's something that is very much on the uh, forefront of our health um, advances. One thing about longevity is that uh, what they're always trying to do is they're trying to help uh, aid the telomeres from not splitting at their ends, right? Because that is what essentially they've reduced to aging. Aging doesn't have a lot of um, similarities or there isn't a way in which that we can understand why we age, what's the processes of it all. But for some reason, we all kind of age in these same related ways where we have degenerative diseases, atherosclerosis, arthrosclerosis, arteriosclerosis, um, you know, things like dementia, Alzheimer's, those things just kind of come about as you get older and older and older. And it was very interesting to read about this guy who is, he's uh, heading um, a study called the triad where it's basically like um, he's taking companion dogs, AKA just dogs of a household and they're monitoring and they're looking at the age and um, the age aging process of dogs because we've realized that although we can um, do a, a bunch of clinical work or lab work on rats in order to understand this longevity and age and, and why we age and all that stuff, we don't really age the same way that mice do, but we age very similarly like dogs do. It's like, you know, how we've always thought about how dogs are basically uh, – um, every year is just seven years to them. Well, it just means that their life is sped up seven X times than ours are essentially. So if you guys realize, because when I look back at my childhood dog, shout out Spunky, AKA the best goal in the world regard, uh, along with Nala, but I love Spunky because she's up there or she's around us. She's omnipotent because I still hear a little, little pause tapping on my hardwood floors at night. Regardless of, I love that dog. I, I, I reflected on Spunky after she had passed away and how we had gotten her as just a little bitty pup. And we, had, we literally had seen the process of age from birth till death with Spunky. And when I was thinking about it, those age-relating processes all kind of take place in a dog, just like a human, you know, you get arthritic, dogs get arthritic, they, they get um, lethargic, um, they get floaters, um, and, you know, other eye problems. Um, it's just very interesting to see how dogs kind of age in a, the same way as humans are. And this guy's having a project basically to kind of understand that more. And uh, they're doing a lot of cases in, uh, um, implementing rapamycin um apparently it's a it's a, a drug that will that doctors uh they they administer a lot especially in the clinical setting after uh some sort of ectomy something is some surgical removal of and or tomy the surgical operation of uh on uh on a person for instance uh, a lot of the time they'll give patients rapamycin after um an acute kidney failure um or liver transplants, things like that. I, you know, I don't know a lot about this stuff because I'm not, you know, I'm not a physician. I'm not a medical doctor by any means, but I really love to learn about this kind of stuff. So I thought that that was very interesting. Now let's get back to telomere because that's essentially what I was trying to get to at the beginning. Um, and then I got into this longevity rant.
Telomeres uh, are a compound structure at the end of the chromosome, right? Telos means end. And then mere comes from that meros in Greek, which means part. Telomere just means end part. Telophase means end stage because phase refers to stage and or uh, period of time. Telophase is just the final stage of cell division between anaphase, ana meaning upward phase, and interphase, inter meaning but the, the between phase, the between stage. So we have anaphase, the up stage, inter, the between stage, in which the chromatids and the chromosomes move to opposite ends of the cell, and two nuclei are formed from which end stage, telophase. Telo, again, means end. Mitosis, however, mitosis is the type of cell division that results in two daughter cells, each having the same number and kind of chromosomes as the parent nucleus do, typically of ordinary tissue growth. Mitos refers to, uh, to thread. Osis is the condition of having threads. Okay. Mitochondria, mito, thread, chondros refers to a granule, and then rhea refers to the, that I-R-I-A refers to that likeness and are related to. So what do we know the mitochondria to be? Well, it is the likeness or related to the, the granule uh, threads, essentially, which means that they are just essentially the powerhouse of the cell, if you guys very well know, because that's all we seem to know about the mitochondria. Little do we know the mitochondria has the likeness or related to granules and threads. Chondromalacia, patellae, however, because patellae is going to be the generative form of patella. So chondromalacia is the gen degeneration of cartilage in the knee. So it's the, the de degeneration of cartilage in the knee of the referring to the genitive possessive noun and how we create a subject noun into a possessive noun. We can either take that ticky mark S that my Vanguardian kids know all too well. And instead of making of the patella, we could do the patella with the ticky mark S, aka the patellas degeneration of cartilage, or we could do the degeneration of the, uh, the knee's cartilage usually caused by excessive wear between the patella and the lower end of the femur. Again, chondro referring to granule transitions into cartilage. And then that malacia actually comes from malacose, which is a softening of or soft. So chondromalacia is just the softening of those cartilage tissues within the patella. Chondrosarcoma, however, chondro again, granule. Sarcoma refers to sarc, flesh, oma, tumor, a type of bone cancer that develops in the cartilage of cells. And that's the definition according to Almighty Google. Cartilage is the special, special, hmm, there we go, Liam, the specialized because now I am Sean Connery and I've taken on the, I'm sorry. Cartilage is the specialized gristly connective tissue that is present in adults and the tissue from which most bones develop, essentially. Cartilage plays a very important role in growth and the growth process. So if you have chondromalacia, that softening of that cartilage is not good news. A lot of the time, degeneration of, that's probably having to do with age-related, um, you know, degeneration. Cartilage, flesh, tumor, chondrosarcoma, chondrosarcoma, chondrosarcoma. There we go, Liam.
All right, I'm going to wrap it up there, you guys. I'm actually going to do another real short one right after this one, and I'm going to get into some legal nomenclature just because I want to shout you all out. Those that are in the um, or interested in all of this etymologizing for the legal stuff that I kind of tend to go into sometimes, stay tuned because a lot of our Latin is ever present within the legal system, and that's why most and or actually all attorneys have to take at least some Latin because, well, they got to do a lot of reading and they need to do a lot of understanding on what they're reading. And Latin is what helps them understand it because that's where we get things like jurisprudence, jurisdiction. We get impunity and subpoena. I'm sure you guys very well know subpoena. You have litigation. You have things like when you look on the back of your pennies, you have e pluribus unum, which means out of one many, aka what is out of one many? The United States, because out of one, we have many states, aka the United States. If you guys didn't realize what e pluribus unum means, that's what it means. It just means the United States because we're united all together under one dealio. Now, if you're interested, stay tuned. Thanks again, you guys. I hope you learned something new. And if you did, you can always show some love and support by going on over to Spotify or Apple Podcast. Thank you again, Tempo Sess Discovery.